uh, situated if you moved. So it's good to see everybody. Uh, I think Chris is going to be handing out uh, stuff. Now, I normally I have a keyboard. Will you be just, will I say ding and you'll do it? Or am I coming to get it? Or are you bringing it up to me? Also, also are we recording? Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So, um, if, who was in first service? I hope most everybody. I did a better job with the baby dedication second service. So, for <laughs> uh, so Canon Kindler, who was the only baby, when he comes up the whole time, in, the whole time that, that I finish speaking, the whole time I'm praying, he's like. The whole time, actually. Here, just in case somebody else comes in, um, they can they can grab them. So, yeah. So it was, it was sweet. If you need another, yeah. Are you good? All right. So, um, yeah. So in our study on lessons from Jesus questions, we're going to be continuing. Now, I'm going to say we're probably. I guess I'll say on the downhill side, that sounds a little negative, but we're on the back side of this study, meaning there's a less number of messages in this series remaining than we've done. <clears throat> that's, that's okay. There's a lot of questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels, and we won't get to all of them uh, for sure. Uh, I still think it's really cool how at the end of the book of John, it talks about Jesus did so many things that literally the world could not contain the volumes of all the things that he did. And, and we're, you know, we're, we have scripture, you know, we have dozens or maybe even hundreds of pages in the gospel, depending on, I guess, how, how you, gospels, how you, you break that down. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really neat to see God working in the gospels. It's neat to see how, when Jesus asks a question, He's not asking so that he understands. He's asking for someone else. Today it's going to be a little bit different uh, on that tone. So, um, so it's on your it's on your notes. But um, in Matthew 26, and then we'll touch in Mark 14 and, and Luke 22. But Matthew 26 uh, verses 36 to 31 or 41. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Uh, and saith unto, so I see one fan, sorry, I'm hot. I don't know if, have we, can we see if we could turn the temperature down? I don't know if we know how to, it's always a, it's always a configuration. So before we get too much further, um, are you hopping up to, oh, or we can open up the window too. Yeah. It is, I mean, it isn't like six, uh, yeah, prop the door open, maybe get a cross breeze going. All right, so then cometh Jesus uh, with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go yon, uh, and, and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the, uh, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is will, indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. In Mark 14, the, the record is, is a little bit similar, or similar, but a little bit different. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, so the disciples, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest thou could, could not thou watch one hour? And then Luke uh, 45 and 46, And when he arose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And so just to be clear, uh, I'm sorry, I should have advanced. Just to be clear, the red letters here don't designate what Jesus said particularly. They're specifically the questions. Obviously, there's more more language to it. So, um, so by way of kind of where we're going to go, what could you not watch with me one hour? Simon, sleepest thou? And why sleep ye? We're going to see about revealing what's inside and the power of rhetorical questions, uh, being watchful and some cautions about sleep, right? Some cautions about sleep. So it brings us to our series study point. Our series study is the 20th message. Uh, series study point, the Garden of Gethsemane exposed everyone. And this, this sounds a little negative, this, this word exposed, but it, 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 it brings to light who they are, right? Uh, and Gethsemane literally means olive or olive oil press. So those words, the Aramaic words, actually are Gethsemane is, is a place, and so it was proper to reference it not in the New Testament Greek, but it was referencing it in an Aramaic tongue. Gethsemane is a, is a place, and, and uh, it's literally translated the oil press. Now, if you'll see here, and I have three verses in, in Revelation. Now, these reference the wine press, but the, the, the principle is the same. The word press is the same uh, in the Aramaic or the Hebrew, and the, but, the, but, but the principle is very clear. Notice the angel thrust his sickle in the earth in Revelation 14, 19, and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. So when, when we go through trials, tribulations, things, and I'm not making a doctrinal statement relative to this, but when we go through it, what do we say? I personally sing the Queen David Bowie song, Prussia, coming down on me. Because I don't know the rest of the words, but I know Prussia. Well, um, so when we go through trials, you didn't know I was going to sing today, did you? I didn't either before right then. When you go through trials, you feel like you're going through pressure. You're being pressed. In some cases, pressed on every side. Paul talks about those in 1420, and the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the wine press, even under the horse's bridle. So this is obviously uh, a connotation of, of Armageddon, right? So, but the, the pressure is going to do something. It's going to destroy, right? It's going to cause uh, to eke out, right? They say that you know, what is it, a diamond's made out of coal, but just a coal that's been refined through the pressure process, right? And in Le uh, Revelation uh, 19, 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that it, uh, uh, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a the rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Matter of fact, the, the battle hymn of the Republic sung by the Union soldiers during the Civil War referenced 
that, that God was trampling out the, the, the great sin of slavery in the United States. He was literally applying pressure, a wine pressure, or a wine press to the nation. People were dying. It was difficult times. Things were happening, but it was in response to God's judgment over, over the situation. So everyone in Gethsemane was being pressed. Everyone. Now, it's pretty clear to see that Jesus, as God-man, he's sweating drops of blood when he prays, right? He's praying to God that the, that the cup would pass from him. He's being pressured, right? He's, he's under the pressure of the weight of paying for the sins of the world in just a few short hours. The disciples, they were pressed, but, but they were seen as, as weak and immature. They, they literally couldn't stay awake. And then what's Peter wants to do? He wants to fight with swords. Even though Jesus has multiple times said, this is not a a physical kingdom we're going to build. This is a spiritual kingdom. Judas is a betrayer. He is finally pressed to the point where he executes on his plan, his devilish plan. The priests, the captains of the temple, and the elders, they're they're feeling pressure to retain control, so they're actually executing their side of the plan to, to execute Jesus. So the, the garden is aptly named. It's an oil press. When, when they get squeezed, they are, are, are well, they're being squeezed. So, so I've got a question for you. What do you, what do you get when you, when you squeeze something? So I, I've got here, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to try this. Oh, I, you know what? Let's... Uh, yeah. 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 If you don't mind. So, what do you get when you squeeze a lemon? Lemonade. Lemonade. Lemon. You get whatever's inside, right? Sorry. Right? You don't necessarily get, ooh, get lemonade. You get what's inside. Right? Food coloring. I, I cheated and put a hole in it and injected blue dye in there. You can drink that if you want. Because it literally is still lemonade. It's just lemon juice, but with some food coloring. I mean, you'd have cake. Right? But you get what's inside. You don't get what you think is on the inside. You get what's inside. So, go ahead. You can grab chairs. Yeah, you can come or you can grab chairs and, and take them to the back. Either way, it's all good. All good, either way. No, please, 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 please. So what? So when you squeeze something, you get whatever is on the inside. And when Jesus is squeezed, what comes out? A burden for the world. When the disciples are squeezed, what came out of them? Unfortunately, their flesh, because they weren't as mature. They weren't ready to go through that battle, right? Judas and the chief priests and captains and the elders, when they were squeezed, they wanted to retain their authority and their control. When you get squeezed, and Sam talked about that this morning, 
you are going to go through trials. You are going to go through tribulation. Jesus promised it. Yes. I, I hate to use that word, but it's, it's like, because it's going to happen. In this world, you will have tribulation. Not because he wants it for you, but he will use it for your edification. He will use it for your growth. Notice in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Well, I mean, honestly, I kind of like that form of government. Where if you don't like your leader, let's stone him. <laughs> I'm kidding. If the FBI is listening, that is not a threat on our president. Well, I mean, like, but, but David was greatly distressed because the people were like, I don't think we like you. We're going to kill you. Like, I've literally never been in that situation where I thought some, that person could actually kill me. Well, except for Michelle. Um, just once. I thought, she might actually kill me. Um, but, but notice, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people is grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. Like, this is, this is systemic problem. This is systemic stress. But what did David do? He encouraged himself in the Lord as God. Right? So when he got squeezed, he didn't come out hard, killing everybody. I'm going down. I'm taking you with me or anything like that. Right? He encouraged himself in the Lord. In Psalm 56, uh, verse um, uh, 2 and 3, Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. But thou, most high God, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Like when you get squeezed, what comes out? But in, in Paul addresses this in Romans, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patient experience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Like literally, Paul approaches the trial as glory. Because that means God's working. And that's, I mean, that's hard. I mean, I, I know it's easy for Sam to get up and say it, for maybe for me to get up and say it. We've been through a lot of trial, and I don't mean interpersonally, but, I mean, we've lost loved ones close to us. We've had significant health diagnoses. We've had challenges in our family on virtually every side. But what comes out of that is what matters. What is the result of the pressure, right? Now, we're far from being diamonds, but by pressing over time, we know the Lord is at work. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 6 and says, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses. You want to be a minister? I mean, that sounds like a lot. I mean, we talk a lot about that around here path to spiritual growth, getting involved in ministry, leading, teaching, preaching, counseling, discipling. You want to do those things. I, I, that's a statement. You want to do those things. And I think you might want to do those things, meaning I hope you want to do them. But with it comes challenge. With it comes hard conversations. With it comes phone calls in the middle of the night. With it comes, you know, just the burden of ministry, and I don't mean the burden of people, I just mean the burden of ministry. Are you sure? 
Are you willing to count the cost? Paul was. In, in 2 Corinthians 7, he continues, Our flesh have no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us. That's, I mean, God loves to show himself strong in those moments. He loves to provide peace. Look, you're going to have flat tires. You're go your car is going to get stolen. You're, well, I don't mean that like it, it's going to get stolen. I mean, <laughs> like, it could get stolen. Like, bad things happen. People lose jobs. People account, uh, you, know, give, you know, say that you're responsible for something and you're not. And it ends up with you losing your job or, or challenges in your community or breakdowns in relationships and family. Whatever it is. I mean, the list can go on. And I don't know what they are in any one of you particularly, except for the fact that I know that God wants to comfort you through those. I know it. 2 Corinthians 11, I don't know if you see a trend here, but if you're going through trouble, you're going through turmoil in your life. But I don't know why people do this, but they read the book of Job as if that's going to be better for them. Don't read the book of, well, I mean, you can read the book of Job if you want. I'm not telling you don't read the book of Job. Read 2 Corinthians. You see how Paul overcomes way more stuff than you got going on. That's good. In journeys, often in perils of waters. I, I love that he just literally uses the word perils multiple times. I'm traveling a lot, but in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, painfulness, and watchings, and often in hunger and thirst, and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Man. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't think you've got that list. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my, con, uh, concern my infirmities. Like, <laughs> I, 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 sorry that it's heavy, but it is. I mean, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and everyone's under pressure, but what comes out of Christ is a blessing. What comes out of everyone else is an example for us. So this brings us to our first lesson today. Lesson number one. Rhetorical questions give insight into the one asking the question. They give insight into the one asking the question. In this case, he says, uh, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Simon, sleepest thou? Why sleep ye? Now, all of these questions are posed to the one sleeping that are clearly unable to answer. Right? Because... I mean, we, we have this, not every day, but often at our house. Manning, are you awake? <laughs> no answer means he's probably not awake. Now, he might be in the restroom. He might be brushing his teeth. He might be in the closet getting clothes on or something. I don't know what, like, I don't know what, you know, maybe he just can't hear us. But he's never answered, Manning, are you, if we say, are you still asleep? He's never said yes. If we say, are you awake? He's never answered with no. So Jesus asks the question, could you not watch with me one hour? And he asks, you're sleeping? And why sleep ye? Because they are asleep. So I just honestly, I was kind of posing the question to the Lord, like why document these? Why document this in Scripture? 
because these guys couldn't have answered these questions. I think, I think it's because we have lessons to learn. So we're going to take a couple of minutes here and, and, and discuss. And by discuss, I mean I want to hear from you. Why did Jesus ask these questions? What do you think he was getting at when he was... Oh, I'm sorry, I'll put it down here. Why did Jesus ask these questions? This is uh, So I'm opening up for you all. I'll repeat it for the folks online. If anybody online has uh, a suggestion and wants to type it in, uh, I'll, I'll read it. So, so why do you think Jesus asked these questions? To see if they were paying attention. Maybe to see if they were paying attention, but they couldn't answer them because they were asleep. Scripture says they were asleep, right? So Jesus is not incapable of perceiving them being asleep. Why else? I mean, what other thoughts? Yes? Maybe. Maybe to wake them up. Literally to speak. I mean, we say that in the example I use, meaning are you awake, right? It's to call the question to wake them up. The speech may, in fact, have actually woke them up. I think somebody was going to say something. He was admonishing them. He was admonishing them, right? So maybe he did stir them up first and actually ask the question to them after they are awake. He doesn't. Scripture doesn't specifically say that, but that is a, a possibility. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. A part of maybe chastisement. Maybe a little bit, and that I would say it's similar to admonishment, like similar to say, "Hey, this is this is not what you should be doing." Yeah, those are good. Also, oh, yeah. um, Simon Peter had declared so boldly he would never deny the Lord. If he had been praying during that time, maybe he wouldn't have denied the Right. Yeah. So, so we actually see in, in, the, in the passages that Jesus is like, you need to be praying so that you enter not into temptation. And in, in Peter's case, the denial, the temptation of denial. So, so he's kind of calling the question within the question uh, about that. Chris, were you going to say something? Yeah. Um, the pressure and the intensity of Jesus' prayer in that time so great that he wanted three people to pray for him as he made that prayer for God and in God's presence he wanted people praying for him and his ability to be there. Amen. Amen. So I do think, I mean, he, he's the, the tone certainly in Matthew is that he wanted them to watch with him, to pray with him. Maybe that wasn't necessarily two feet away, but at the same time, so their lack of, of praying was also the, uh, had a negative effect, if you will, on him, had a, 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 a bad impact, yeah. Make sure that they are aware of what the time and the hour of the situation was. Okay. So he, he definitely does that through. This might be my last hour. This might be this right. So, so I might package it a little bit because he says some of that. It, some of that is actually verbalized. But in this, he's actually saying, could you not, like, I don't want to attribute sin to Jesus by a long shot. But he's, there's kind of like a disappointment, I fear, right? I mean, I, it's like, you're asleep, you know? I mean, I don't, again, I don't know if that's how he meant it. But there is a component there. You're really? You're asleep? They never do it again. Yeah. They would never do it again. Yeah, I mean, well, if Jesus talks to you like this, I mean, you're going to you're going to perk up uh, long term. Yeah, it is. Yeah, to see their reaction. But 
Yeah. No, go ahead. I don't know if I'm the only one that does But sometimes I verbally express my frustration when no one is there to respond. <laughs> yes. I, and, and I do think there's a component of that. Again, I don't want to, I would say it's not necessarily to express his frustration as as much as it expresses his, his, his manhood, right, his humanness, that there's some disappointment that he didn't have people in the spiritual foxhole with him, right? So, so good stuff, great, great thoughts. And I, oh, yeah, go ahead, last one. He was concerned. He was concerned for him. Yeah, all of these are, are right. I would say none of them are wrong, but I would like, no, nobody is hit on this. I would actually argue, uh, okay, go, Chris. I'm sorry. You're not, no, you don't have to apologize. Oh, oh, so you have a friend that said this? <laughs> she said that um, it's an admonishment. It was recorded in the gospel as an admonishment for us. Yes! Thank you. That's where I was going. Is that where you were going? No. No. Where were you going? No, I said, he, all along, he said, you know, my hour has not come yet. Right. But now the hour has come. Right, and they were, and they like, were not, not right, right. Right, and and so I'm, Debbie and I are, are, are sharing a, a wavelength here. I would argue at least part of the reason he asked these this question was so that it would be recorded in Scripture. And I'm not exactly sure how these guys knew this. Like, if they were asleep, according to Scripture, it says they were asleep when he asked the question. Now, maybe, maybe they stirred enough to catch it, and that was how it was recorded. But I do think there is a component of, like in other times, Jesus in part is interacting with them, but for others to learn from. And I would argue that some of those others are us. Right? Notice in 1 Corinthians 10, Now all things happened unto them, referring to the Old Testament, them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. In Romans 15, 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort from the scriptures might have hope. So at the very least, I don't disagree with anything that anyone said, but at the very least, I think in part, scripture is being played out so that we, in 2022 and April of 2022, could look at this passage like thousands and millions of people have done throughout history from that point to now. I think Jesus also, again, in part, asks these questions so that we can learn from it. So the rhetorical question gives insight into Jesus that even in the moment when it's about his hour, like his hour has come, even in that moment, he's still thinking forward. He's still thinking about all of his sheep, not just the ones right there. Not just those. So it brings us to our second lesson of the day. Preparation or watching is the best defense to temptation. Right? And this is what, um, I'm sorry, what, what's your name again? I know you told me a few weeks ago. I'm so my name yeah. is Shirley. Shirley. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and I was going to say Mrs. Bustos, but Shirley mentioned is that it was the best defense of the temptation, the best way to not fall into the sin was to be watching and praying as compared to sleeping. So what, are, what can we learn from this, watching as a defense? Well, Jesus expected it. He, he actually asked, hey, verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. Okay, if Jesus says, watch with me, 
that's one thing. If Jesus says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death, like I can't help but think his, his countenance didn't bear the seriousness of the moment or the hour. Like Jesus did expect his disciples to step up. I think Sam put it to, to man up, to spiritually man up. Now we've got to be careful because that can denote flesh, right? And we, we don't want to serve the Lord in the power of our flesh. It's not by strength. It's not by our strength of our arm or our strength of our flesh that we accomplish things through the Lord. It is through spiritual strength. So when we say things like spiritually man up, we don't necessarily mean like in your flesh. Matter of fact, we shouldn't mean in our flesh. But we do mean that you should have some tenacity. You should have within your spirit the desire to continue, the desire to press on. Jesus actually expected it. He, com- he, he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. They, many other times in Scripture, in the Gospels, he told them to do things, and what did they do? What he told them to do. <laughs> Right? Feed these people. Go across here. Do this. Walk up this mountain. Go here. Feed, you know, do that. Like, split, like, gather the stuff and pass these out and all these things. Yet, in this moment, they didn't do what he asked them to do. And arguably, according to Shane, the most pinnacle moment of ministry. The second is that it's the core of preparation. It's the core of preparation. If you don't, like, if you're going to minister... I know I've shared this story before, or at least I believe I've shared this story before. The man who discipled me came over to my house. I was a high schooler. We were ministering to, uh, uh, I was ministering to another guy, and we were playing basketball. That, that dude loved basketball. And so our youth pastor, the guy that discipled me, showed up, and and he stopped, and he parked his car. I mean, we're shooting baskets in our driveway, and you can see him parking his car right there, and he's like, doesn't get out for a couple minutes. And, I mean, this is before the days of cell phones, so I knew he wasn't on the phone. And then he finally gets out, and he walks over, and, and we, you know, we catch, you know, catch up. We start interacting, start playing basketball. And so the, when the time was right, I said, hey, hey Shane, what, what were you doing in the car? He's like, well, I was praying. I was like, praying for what? He's like, praying for this encounter. <laughs> praying that this, that this moment of ministry would be right. I mean, I don't even remember the exact words he said, but that was certainly the, the, the sentiment. I mean, how many times do I fail because I have to rush from the baby dedication over here to, to teach and trying to make sure all the ducks are in a row and, and knives don't fall out and stab people and, and stuff and the, the, I've got stupid lemon ready that I don't take the time to pray, that I'm not watchful. Now, that same dude, and I think I've shared this story before, I won't share the name of the person, the other person that this interacted with, because some of you may know them, but there was a young lady who was sitting on the stairs, and, and the same man who was so purposeful in his watching, was so purposeful in his praying over the moment, he and I were walking and we were talking. We, wa- we walked past this young lady on the stairs. She was sitting on the stairs with her kind of her head in her hands a little bit. And he said, how you doing? And she said, not well. And he said, glad to hear it and kept walking because he didn't hear her. (laughs) I mean, he would never do that. He just 
that she said fine, <laughs> you know? And we get to the top of the stairs and I'm like, did you hear what she said? And he said, no. I said, she said she's not good. He's like, oh my gosh, and ran right back down, of course. I mean, it was just a, a quirky moment where we, you know, we, we all disconnect our brains from time to time and do stupid things. He would never, I, I don't, I really don't believe that he would have ever done that intentionally. So we can get tied up in communications, tied up in ministry, and totally fall asleep in the wrong moment. Totally fall. So the core of preparation, look at, at the Mark uh, 13 reference here. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing. Right? So is it is it like 7, 8? Is it at midnight, or is it in the morning when the first light's out? Or, or in the, the full of the morning, right, when the sun's actually risen? Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Watch. Now that doesn't mean you perpetually go without sleep because at some point you will collapse and you'll fall asleep. Right? But you have to watch. It's the core of preparation. In this case, watch for the master of the house return. And it promotes strength. Strength. Watch ye, stand fast in the Lord, quit you like men, be strong. And this is literally the sentiment that I was referring to a moment ago. The quit you like men, be strong like men, it's not a physical strength. It's an in, internal, um, uh, they call it, some people call it intestinal fortitude, right? It's that I'm not, I am going to stand fast in the Lord. You can't do that if you're not watching. You can't do that if you're not praying. You're going to get whacked on the side of the head by some spiritual attack. Or, when that happens you're going to get knocked over instead of respond appropriately. Next, it, we need to be thankful. Watching as a defense is being thankful. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Like, it, this, this should not denote a negative connotation. This is like, like, what does a waiter do? A good waiter or waitress is watching, right? I try to, to tip more when people... Like if we're out at a restaurant and they see that my, you know, my water or my tea or whatever I'm drinking is getting low and they bring it without me asking, right? If I have to ask three times, well, now it's like, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a jerk about it. At least I don't think I'm a jerk about it. But like, I'm not going to tip. I mean, that's their job their, uh, as much. Their job is to watch in that context, right? Taking us and putting us in a similar situation, we need to be watching for opportunities to serve, watching for opportunities to pray. I mean, if there was ever a time where the disciples needed to support Jesus to hold his proverbial uh, spiritual hands up, like Moses' hands were held up in a spiritual battle, like it's this time, and that's what Chris was getting to. Like, it was the, it was the time. Be thankful for those opportunities. There are times that I've gone over to people's houses late in the evening or overnight to deal with the death of a loved one or the, a, a spouse uh, you know, cheating on another spouse or trying to reconcile a bad uh, you know, uh, marital fight or a situation with a child that is just horrific. I, I try to be thankful in those moments. I know that sounds weird, but this is an opportunity 
It's an opportunity. Be thankful. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. It requires a sharp mind. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Right? But in the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and uh, uh, watch unto prayer. Right? It requires a sharpness in your mind. And we need to be circumspect. 2 Timothy 4, 5, But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, the things we talked about, the press. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. But watch. Always watch. Always watch. So it brings us to our third lesson today. Be careful of sleep. Be careful of sleep. Now, I would argue that everybody needs a varying amount of sleep. There are seasons, and I think, and I literally, and I'm not just saying this because of the baby dedication, I think there are, are times when bodies or spiritual uh, blessings on a family, like you can go with less sleep when you got a baby. I don't know if the Lord just blesses, if it's something biological, uh, if it's something innate. I don't know what the deal is, but people still function. I, you know, when we, were, when we had both of the kids, like I, I was still able to get up and go to work, even though got up in the middle of the night and fed babies and changed diapers. Like, but I, I seriously don't think I could do that now. Like, I'd be like, change your own diaper, dude. Seriously. <laughs> um, which, I, you know, I guess if he was 16, he arguably should. Um, he is going to kill me if he ever hears this. He gave, he gave me a hard time because I referenced the Bible from 16 years ago in the second service. He's like, that was unnecessary. Um, but... We, can, we get special blessing, I think, in certain seasons. There are times, uh, you know, when my mom uh, passed away a couple of years ago, coming up on a couple of years ago, and she's, you know, at the, at the last, probably, I mean, we knew she was not going to make it probably many more days, maybe even hours. She ended up passing the next day. Um, I slept maybe three or four hours that night. I don't think my dad slept at all that last night. And he's obviously quite a bit older. And it uh, seems like my brothers and I, if recollection, we kind of alternated and tried to get some sleep. And, um, you know, you can go through times where you don't get the amount of sleep that you need, but you still make it, right? There are other times when you need to sleep, when you need to sleep. The biggest one I can think of is when you're sick. Like, don't push it. Like, if you're sick... Get rest. And it's okay if you sleep. It's okay in those times. Nobody thinks, wow, they really sleep a lot. Well, I mean, they are sick. They do have the flu, right? That, it's okay. So, but, so, so I don't know. I've heard people say, well, you need seven hours of sleep or you need eight hours of sleep. Or I've heard kids need. I, I do think a big problem with kids today is they don't get enough sleep. Just that's kind of my uh, political statement on, on such things. But I do think there is a component of kids getting enough sleep as, a, as is important. But sleep and the, and the lack of sleep can create problems. Too much sleep can actually create problems as well. Sleep affects our senses. We don't always hear from God clearly. Turn to, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
and I'm not making. Uh, I mean, look, this is its own is its own study in First Samuel. It's its own passage and maybe even series of messages. But in chapter three, verse uh, verse three, in the and air the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. Um, and the Lord called Samuel. Now, Eli, even in verse one, Eli. So there's some things that are wrong in the house of God. Right? It should have been, the lamp should have been tended to, etc. Samuel was laid down to sleep, and the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli, because he thought Eli was calling him, and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie, uh, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Now, I don't know about you, but the other, uh, like, this happens from time to time. I think Manning came home after we went to bed and set our alarm or something, and there was a beep or a, maybe it was a phone buzzing or something right at that perfect time, right at the end of tired when you're turning right on, on sleep, you know, at the end of the road, right at the wrong time, and then I'm kind of awake. I don't know, Michelle, that, that seems to be more of a problem for Michelle, but there's this point at which you're just, like, you're just about, and it's like, ugh. Right? And I think that's kind of what's going on here, is that Eli doesn't perceive, Samuel doesn't understand, and it's not until much later. And the Lord called yet again in verse 6, Samuel, and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So he's a kid, he doesn't or a young man, he didn't understand. The Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli, said, Here am I, for thou dost call me. And Eli then perceived that the Lord had called the child. Like, sleep impacted their ability to hear what the Lord was doing, right? They didn't hear God clearly. Sometimes we don't perceive the environment. Jonah's on a ship, the ship, right? <clears throat> so the shipmaster comes to him. I've got to be careful not to grab that lemon juice. <laughs> so the shipmaster came to him and said unto me and to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Like in the midst of like a storm, I would never call someone O sleeper. Um, Arise, call upon thy God, if it be so that God will think upon us that we perish not, right? So, but what's Jonah? Like he's asleep in the midst of like this craziness. Not like Jesus was asleep in a boat because he... He was the master of the wind and the waves, but Jonah was it like Jonah had no ability to turn the wind or the waves off. Yet he was asleep. He didn't even perceive what was going on around him. We don't comprehend the tax. I tell you, this is like I think this is a a great great story. Then J.L. Uh, Eber's wife took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground for he was fast asleep and weary so he died. She literally killed the dude in his sleep by driving a nail through his head. That's some heavy sleeping. That's a refrigerator verse right there. <laughs> like right, right, right below the chore chart? <laughs> Is that what you meant? Oh, okay. Um, but we don't even comprehend, like if we're asleep, we can't even comprehend that people are sneaking in to kill us. Right? And now I don't, I mean, chances are you don't have somebody sneaking in trying to kill you with a, a, a mallet and a tent stake. But we don't, can't defend against the spiritual attacks if we're spiritually asleep. It impacts our productivity. 
Notice in Proverbs, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Like, there are times to sleep. It's going to be more in the winter. Do not, I mean, there. this is a thing. Like, people generally sleep a little more in the winter because of the sun, and it's not up as long, and there's not as much to do, and our bodies tend to put on a little more weight, and that gets us through, and, like, that's a thing, right? But don't sleep during harvest. I mean, they have a thing called a harvest moon because you've got to work even into the night or sometimes all night to get the harvest in. There's times when you're going to sleep more. There's times when you're going to sleep less. Sleep will impact your productivity. If there, like, there are seasons where I tell Michelle, like, you know, I, I, I'm a Robert Frost, a bit of a Robert Frost fan, many miles to go before I sleep. I've just got a lot of things I've got to check off the list before I can sleep. Then I will get there. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want is in our man. Right? There's times to sleep, but probably not when you're traveling by yourself and you have to carry all of your goods on your body. You didn't have the bank and credit. Like We're going to take a mission trip to Toronto in a few, uh, few weeks at this point, a couple months. Um, we're not going to take a bunch of cash. We don't need to. We're going to Toronto. You know, we're not going to the, 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 the backside of the, uh, the sub-Sahara Africa. We're not going into to, to places in, in Europe where we might not be able to get good internet or cell or whatever. We're going to Toronto. It's a bigger, more developed town than Kansas City. So we don't need a lot of cash. But if we had to travel like they traveled back then, like literally <clears throat> all your goods were on your body. That made you a target. You're not just going to pull over on the side and be like, oh, I'm going to get a quick nine in. And I mean, not nine golfing, a quick nine hours of sleep. <laughs> like, you're not going to do that. Or if you are, you're going to set somebody on watch. Right? It, did I get all this? Yeah, yeah. It don't, it, you, when you sleep, you don't understand the times. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We need to be mindful that our salvation is nearer than when we believed, but that also means that others' death, others' eternity, is also closer now than it ever has been. We need to not fall asleep. We need to be focused. And it limits our sight. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. There's this, it's really interesting what the, and we, we definitely don't have time to get into it today. But what your eyes do at night, and how they see the rods and the cones, and you know, I don't know if you ever knew that sort of thing, but like, it's different at night. God actually created us to be able to see a way at night, it's not nearly as good. Like, you can't really read well, but there are certain things that you can perceive at night that you can't in the day. But by far, your sight is limited at night. By far, your sight is limited. So don't sleep when you ought to be watchful. You ought to be prepared. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a history fan, and I always find it interesting. Uh, I've done a, a fair amount of study in the, uh, around Civil War, Civil War battles, and 
some of the best defenses in Civil War battles were well-placed pickets. They called them pickets. I'm not exactly sure, but they're watchmen around. And if those pickets did their job, often it changed the course of an entire battle. But boy, if the pickets were overcome, if they were slow, if they were asleep, if they weren't ready, it definitely changed the course of the battle. I mean, there's, there's uh, specifically the Battle of Shiloh in Tennessee. Like, the pickets were overrun in the morning. Men were literally still in their tents. They were making breakfast. They were getting up when they were overrun by, a, by an army that was coming at them. Like, please don't be that guy. Please don't be that gal. If you're, if you're set as a watchman, if you're set, don't fall asleep. I would, I would argue the Lord's begging you, even right now, people's lives, their eternal souls hang in the balance. We need to watch and we need to pray. Lord, we thank you for the message. We thank you. I, I just pray, Lord, that it went the way it was supposed to, the way you wanted it done. Lord, you know I laid my heart into it. You know I tried to follow what I believe you wanted me to teach and share. And, and Lord, I just give you the honor and the glory for it. And, and I just pray that, that the words that I spoke or the words that were heard, Lord, that you would be able to use those in the lives of people, everyone that, that heard this message, that you would be able to grow them, to help them take the next step in their spiritual journey. And, and look, some, some of those is going to be pressure, Lord. And, and I pray for people that are going through pressure right now. I know that I know people have lost loved ones. People are dealing with emotional and spiritual and physical ailments. And, and Lord, I just, I just pray your blessings. I know that you can bring them through it. I know that you can grow them through it. Uh, but Lord, help us all be watchful. Help us all to pray and not to fall asleep. In Jesus' name, amen.